0: I mean, enjoyed the song this morning, especially. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Thank you for coming this morning. I enjoyed that song this morning. I've been waiting what now for, what, three months for that one. Long time, yeah. And uh, it's a shame that the rest of the choir didn't show up. I hardly ever, I'm a legalist anymore and get on to you, but we need to show up and get a choir going. we got a young people's meeting coming up the uh, 19th of September. So I'd like to have all the choir sing that song again at that service. And uh, basically the first time I heard that song, this brother Alan Price sang it at the funeral of uh, Joe Reynolds' daughter. And that was a beautiful song. He'd done an outstanding Job on that. So, how hey, many enjoyed the music this morning? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, we're going to look in he- uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and we're looking basically at the furnishings in the holiest of all. I call it the hidden manna. Brother Branham preached all these series, or basically I call it the third pull. He preached his sermons looking at Two major types, and that was the Tabernacle of Moses and the Feast of the Lord. The Feast of Trumpets, New Jerusalem, Future Home, Recognize Your Dana's Message, uh, the Rapture. All these sermons he preached, he said he looked at these types to bring forth the revelation that was given to him. And to me, the greatest sermon he preached was the rapture, which opened up the seventh seal to us, which to the many of the message people in the world, the seventh seal is completely a closed-up secret. It is still a mystery. I went to a website this week. The first time I ever found it, I actually was looking for Brother Branham's sermons, the index, and get the dates on it. It took me to a website. uh, Basically, Jim Pinkston had to find out for me because he's a computer whiz. It was a doctor, I can't think of his name now, in North Little Rock. And basically, he had all kinds of sermons about Brother Branham and uh, the message of Brother Branham. And he's teaching all these things what more. And I didn't realize that the message, people looked at certain things as they do. But there's many things in there that we teach as common knowledge here that basically is still a mystery to them. But we can only do what God gives us and we'll preach it in that light. We know that the political upheaval that's going on is also typed in the Bible. is basically divisions, riots, and all these things. Political upheaval. Uh, many can see what the mark of the beast would be if a certain party gets in. We can see that in the making. We have a hope that if basically Trump gets in, it'll be better. But it won't be much better, even at all. I believe President Trump was voted in to fulfill the will of God pertaining to Israel. The time of the Gentiles is over. We have had our message delivered. Our messenger has come. He brought a message. We've seen basically the secret rapture come to us in the form of a pillar of fire, a message, a seventh seal that we understand to put us in a shout voice in Trump. And therefore, everything that's going on now politically has to deal with Israel. I believe that the Gentiles are in the same time frame that Israel or the Jews was in from the rejection of Jesus and the ascension in the book of Acts. God didn't cut Israel off until basically A.D. 70. Now, I don't know if anyone was saved in there under Paul or not, but basically God's time for the uh, Jews did not cut off until A.D. 70 when he destroyed Jerusalem with Titus in A.D. 70. During that period of time, even though they rejected the Messiah, it was still open for the Jews. We have come to the end of the Gentile or the fullness of the Gentiles. And now we have a period of time called the seventh seal, or basically a son of man ministry. A little spirit of time there between the church age and the resurrection. That basically is still open to the Gentiles, but is basically close to the rest of the world. In that period of time, as I've been trying to teach the young people and everyone here, the only thing that God calls for in that small time period is call on the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. There is one simple revelation that we want to get to and we're going to look at the thought of hidden matter. There was something hid and is still hid to everyone outside of the very elect. It is not hid by the fact that it's not in here. It's been in here for 2,000 years or ever since the Bible has been put in written form. Now remember when the Bible was put in written form it become a dead letter. Unless it was revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Okay. So we're looking at a period of time that God has now open to us that we call the message, a shout. It is a small period of time that we can eat of the hidden manna that has been rejected for seven church ages. And still rejected by the majority. That will absolutely change your body from mortal to immortality. Now we know that Paul declared that Jesus brought the gospel of immortality. Okay, why is it seven, or seven church ages or 2,000 years and no one has become immortal yet? And we find out, preaching the end back to the beginning, there is one portion of the Word that no one will partake of or eat, which is the tree of life, or the revelation called the Day of Atonement. No one has accepted the Atonement in its fullness yet. There's the hidden matter. There's that portion of the Word That will bring immortality. So we're looking at the two major feasts, uh, the three major feasts that is left. We're looking at the seventh seal, and we're looking at the tabernacle. It's symbolism for our picture. So here we are in this time period. If God is through with the Gentiles, and President Trump has brought to pass that which is required for America to do for the Israel to be where she needs to be. Because remember now, he's placed Jerusalem as the capital. He's the only one that could do that. Many presidents have tried, but he got it done. Signing a peace treaty, I know the last three presidents tried it, but they never could get it done, but he got that done. Now, I'm not smart enough to know the Old Testament Scripture and prophecy to understand what else... That he's got to do to put Israel in the condition of two prophets. If there is, he will be reelected. If there is not, he won't be. Because if he has brought Israel to the position now, ready for the two prophets. Then basically the, the other will come in and we'll find total destruction. The tribulation comes and basically the rapture will come shortly thereafter. So we're living in a precarious time, but it is a glorious time because as we're being squeezed down to the event we're coming to the reality that we must identify who we are and know our place in this time in this scripture Jesus knew who he was so therefore he could fulfill the scripture brother Brown knew who he was so he could fulfill a scripture he asked the question, I wonder if Luther knew who he was and Wesley knew who they were. And then he brought it down to the believer, do you know who you are? Because he said when the sons and daughters of God realize and know who they are, then they'll do the greater works. Which the greater works is then basically uh, having the headship or that hidden matter that will change the body and take us into another dimension. I find out that this doctor, he was a doctor of divinity. He had the confusion. He didn't understand the difference between the appearing And the coming so they try to join that together as the coming of the Lord and they can't separate it that's the reason why we're separated from a lot of churches because they say well Brother Grayer believes that Jesus has already come well Jesus the man that died on Calvary has not come we know that but we realize that the Father the pillar of fire who is Jehovah Elohim our Savior he has descended here And he appeared in front of the multitudes. They even had his picture taken. And we have a prophet here. And he vindicated his presence by thus saith the Lord over and over and over and over and over. They cannot see that appearing as what the Bible calls the coming. They're still looking for the coming of Jesus to do something for us. That we believe that God has already come. And through a prophet revealed to us who we are and placed us in a position With himself, and the statement is we should get to it again you never done it. Now, remember, there's no group of people that has come so far to receive the atonement of grace to the point that they look at nothing except the pardon you never done it. Now, we agree and we shake our head, yeah, he said that. But the power of it, the revelation of that actually brings the anointing for the change of the body. The sin question is settled. And we must accept that and confess that for it to be confirmed on earth. And there to me is the point that everybody is looking for. Everything hinges on the revelation of the atonement. The bride is the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ The prophet of God, which was the voice of Elohim himself, the judge, in the trial said, you never done it in the first place. He pronounced that we were the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ, and we are standing today perfect before the pillar of fire, the judge. That's where we're at, and that's the revelation that I believe is hidden if we look at the picture of the uh, tabernacle we can look, or look at the symbolism because Brother Brown said I look over here and I preach over here if you look at the symbolism here we're looking at that ark that holy saw that little room there where these furnishings did. everything in there now is basically hidden manna there's something hidden there that we must be partakers of as overcomers for immortality there is nothing in the holy place. Here's the candlesticks represents seven church ages, which is under the Feast of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing in the holy place that brings you to immortality. The baptism of the Holy Ghost in the holy place will not do it. By no matter saying, you have the Holy Ghost every day of your life and go to hell. There's something in the holiest of all in the presence of the pillar of fire that contains immortality. We understand that it is hidden matter. We'll read the scripture here in Hebrews 9, 3 to 5 and pick up our thought. Paul tells us that after the second veil, now here's your picture up here that he's looking at. After the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. In other words, after the second veil, there's the door of the holy place, candlesticks, show bread, the table there. Then there's another veil, there's the altar of incense, there's another veil, to take you into the holiest of all, where we're going to find what? The golden censer, the ark of the covenant, overlaid roundabout with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna. Now there's where we're going to put our thought this morning. In the holiest of all, there is a golden pot. Now the golden pot represents the deity of Jesus Christ, or the revelation of the deity of Christ. And manna represents Christ himself in another form Jesus was the bread or the manna that come down out of heaven so the manna here represents basically the revelation of the Logos the revelation of the word in its form in its season and it has a name in the manna contains the new name All this symbolism is in there that's still a mystery to most people. If we eat of this manna as the overcomer, we are promised immortality. We're promised a new name. We're promised a position in Jerusalem or the millennium as pillars. So there's something for the overcomer that partakes of this hidden manna that only the high priest could touch or taste of once a year for year after year after year year which was the type. Now watch. Also in there is Aaron's rod that budded. All of these symbolism is basically a part of this end time revelation of the mystery of the Logos being here manifesting itself in human flesh. In other words, this is symbolism of what God is going to do in human flesh in its fulfillment. So these types here are speaking of the word being manifested in individuals or human flesh. Aaron's rod speaks of a ministry. We'd elect to call it the fivefold ministry because it's Aaron's rod. It was not the prophet which was represented in Moses' rod. So we'll understand that Aaron's rod was subject, subject to Aaron, uh, Moses' rod. Two ministries. One was a prophet, one is fivefold. The prophet was superior to the The fivefold ministry. We understand all of that. This is symbolism. And that rod budded. In other words, there's going to be a revelation brought by Moses of the hidden matter, which is Christ of the Logos, that will bring forth an understanding that will cause people to blossom, bloom, and come to immortality in one short season. Amen. And the tables of the covenant, which the tables of the covenant contains the covenant of grace, now revealed to us will produce what the blessing of Abraham was promised to the heirs. And we'll get to that. And over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat. And we know that the, the cherubims was representing Michael and Satan, basically two angels, both twins. Michael and Satan, both of them covered the mercy seat. Satan actually looked over and guarded the Word of God. They were both twins They're both anointed cherubims. So the difference between the true anointing and false anointing is actually the difference between the wise and foolish virgins that only basically the judge can separate. The reason why the seventh seal is not understood is when the judge comes down, or we call the cloud or the wig one, the judge comes down with a shout or a message of confrontation and he confronts every believer with their doctrine Because nothing can come into His presence off of the Word of God. Therefore, your mysteries or your true doctrine has to be explained or understood to be able to be guiltless enough to walk into the presence of the pillar of fire. If you won't walk in there, then basically you're an unbeliever to start with. You say, well, I don't want to be in the presence of God. Then there's something still missing because if you understand who you are today, you are a part of the pillar of fire of which you are afraid of. Most people are afraid of their own identity. They do not want to confess that they're sinless, that they're sons and daughters of God, because they think it will come back to them Then if you are this, then what about this? We are sons and daughters of God by revelation, according to the Word of God, and our confession that seals our destiny. Like a brother saying this morning that... People didn't believe in the atonement because, uh, I said, well, if you believe in the atonement, but James said, believe in the atonement, well, then uh, you can't get sicker. The Bible says basically it's appointed unto the man wants to die. Well, I said, if I'm quoting the Scripture that's appointed unto me wants to die, I don't believe in the rapture. I've heard a message that it's appointed unto me to live. It's not appointed unto me to die. The message of this hour is you will never die. Believest thou this? See, see our message is different. See, our message is not I don't want, I'm, I'm gonna die and go to heaven. No, no, I'm not gonna die, and he's gonna take me to heaven. Because, see, the Father comes down here and reveals himself to us, takes the veil off of the bride. He takes the veil off of the word, and you are the word. Help me understand that. We are the word, and he takes the veil off. And takes us up. Jesus don't come down to get us. The Father takes us up to him and meets him in the air. When Jesus comes back, Revelation 19, he brings us with him at that time. And we have a glorious body like his own glorious body. How did he get his glorious body? Through death, burial, and resurrection, and so on. How do we get ours? Through the same process that he got his. And that's by feeding on the Word of God. He done it all and he accomplished it. So that's what we're looking at. So we're looking at the furnishings inside the holiest of all in the tabernacle of Moses, which we said that that little room, now Brother Branham spoke of going into a little room and people understand the tent vision and they think it's something else. The tent vision is basically a type of the tabernacle. It was symbolic. Brother Branham is not going to come back and put up a 300-foot tent, and put a little wooden room in it, and build wooden toilets out here to fulfill a tent vision. Come on now. He gave you a revelation. We've got to go into the little room, and that pillar of fire said, I will meet you in there. In other words, there is a hidden name, there is a hidden manna, there is a hidden revelation in the holiest of all, that's brought to us by the revelation of the seventh seal, of which is only now, don't get mean or cruel is only revealed to those who are ordained to it that's in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. So we find in this little room where it's where the pillar of fire resides at this time in the, in the tabernacle. He hovered over the mercy seat which is actually the lid to the Ark of the Covenant. Now they got the Ark there which is a box you can see, we could give you pictures of that with four handles on it that the priest carried it. That golden lid was basically called the mercy seat. And the pillar of fire hovered over the lid of that between the two cherubims. In the box we find that there was basically uh, a pot with manna. There's Aaron's rod and two tables of stone, which we know was the Ten Commandments that God wrote in stone for Israel. So, Paul tells you now, is what we'll get to later, that over this chairman of uh, uh, the shadowing emergency of which we cannot now speak particularly. We do not understand whether Paul didn't see what we're looking at, which in one way I believe that he did, or that it was not permitted for him to speak just like John and Brother Brandon was forbidden to speak certain things. Because if Satan gets a hold of this, now the intellectual mind gets a hold of it, they can do havoc with this right here. They can take it every which way that you want, that you want to turn it. So he's looking at that hidden man in there, which is a type of Christ, wherein the holy, uh, the priest could enter the holiest of all, which the high priest types now, basically, I would say, the angels of the seven church ages, The angel of the church age could enter in and take a part of the Word of God and see it just a little clearer or a little higher of the manna than the people out here could. In other words, let's put it this way. They had a Bible. The manna that fell every day out there, let's call it the Bible. It was the Word of God. It was Christ. It was a revelation. They all eat the same manna. But they took the True manna, the true revelation, true doctrine, and put a part of it in the holiest of all that it could not be spoiled, handled, mishandled, but kept in its pure form. So, although the word is here, man can handle it. They eat of it every day. There's ever churches going this morning and feeding on the daily bread are a part of the word of God. The part that we're feeding on is basically hid to what everybody else is feeding on so therefore they say well what's wrong you cooks you are believing God sent a prophet to give you a special revelation and look who you are look what we are uh, it can't be true we can't do that but they don't see a pillar of fire in the camp see they miss the secret coming of the Lord in the form of a prophet <laughs> When the prophet is here, God in the form of a pillar of fire is here. The pillar of fire or the message or the voice or instructions is the key point of God communicating to you why He's here, what's going on or fulfilling or allowing you to see who you are to place you in a specific standing before Him. So the bride is built up by elect down through church ages. Now. want to keep in mind that Jesus now was raised uh, with an immortal body, type in the resurrection, Jesus then fulfilled the first four feasts of the drawings that we put forth. Jesus had the authority and he fulfilled those four feasts. In other words, He was the Passover lamb, and God raised him from the dead to prove that the sacrifice was accepted. The death, the shedding of his blood was accepted by God the Father as the answer and the atonement for the sin of the world. And that world was the world of the godly or the seed of Adam, which contains different groups of people. All right? So we find out that Jesus was raised, and we give, we, He was given us or He gave us a promise that we would have a body like His own glorious body. See, Jesus preached, if you feed on me, I'm the bread. If you eat me, so how can we eat your flesh and drink your blood? If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then basically you don't have no part of me if you won't do it. Eating his flesh and drinking his blood is all a part of the revelation of the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin that God dealt with on Calvary once and for all. Now, man has been preaching sin for 2,000 years in his portion and his lair. We went to total Calvinism at one time in there that basically everybody was all right. Nobody was sinning. Even the devil was going to be saved. And God swung it back the other way and sent Wesley with Arminianism and law and what more that swung the church into Salvation Army, which that's where the Pentecostals are today. Pentecostal move is basically Arminianism or basically under the legalism of law. Do's and don'ts and neats and what more and washing pots and pans on on and on and on and on and on. Which the prophet said will not bring you to life or allow you to enter into the presence of God that we call the message of the hour. Which is that seventh seal that they do not believe is open. Now Brother Branham was the messenger of the seventh seal. When you see me, you see the Father. If you receive me, you receive the Father. You say, well, that's what Jesus said. Well, that's what the prophet said also. In other words, you're seeing the symbolism fulfilled before you in human flesh. Now, we have to identify ourselves in this picture, in this type, for the hour that we're living in. Because we're living, as we said in last week's lesson, we're living in an epochal time and season, which is a unique period of time that we have been allotted. Now watch. So it will come by this glorious body. Jesus said it will come by eating the hidden manna in the holiest of all. Immortality lies under the seventh seal. Immortality lies in the shout, voice, and trump. Immortality lies under the last trump, which is the message of this hour. Okay? All those symbolism shows you what God comes down in the midst of the church to present the kingdom of God to us, that it is in our midst, and that we are heirs to it, and that we are the expression of it as living epistles read of all men. You and I are the expression of the kingdom of God here as the body of Christ called believers. Now what? So the little room, according to the prophet, speaks uh, to a portion of time or a season. It speaks to a portion of time or a season that the prophet called the bride age, which is all right, but it sounds like the bride age is another age outside of the seven church ages called the Laodicean age. He called it the bride age I call it the dispensation of the Son of Man. Because remember now, He comes in three sons' names. Now, people, I didn't see the importance over years, but He kept bringing it out, bringing it out, and finally pretty soon you can understand what He's saying. Jesus comes in three sons' names. He come in His flesh as Son of Man. God manifested in the flesh. Son of Man, prophet. Prophet. He ascended, the body ascended, he became the mediator. God sent the Holy Spirit or the pillar of fire down on the day of Pentecost as Son of God, Holy Spirit. For seven church ages we have been under Son of God dispensation, what we call Pentecost or the new birth. At the end of Laodicea we was promised a messenger to this age of Laodicea which would also be a prophet. That prophet would fulfill Malachi 4, 5, and 6, or it would be the spirit of Elijah turning our hearts back to the very revelation of the early fathers or the revelation that was given to the Apostle Paul but was rejected by the Jews and the, those converts didn't understand what he was talking about. The Apostle Paul at that time represented to me the last three feasts of the seventh month, which was the Feast of Trumpets the Day of Atonement, and Tabernacles. Paul's Gospel was the revelation of redemption. The Book of Romans, Ephesians, Galatians, and Thessalonians was the revelation now, or the secret manna that would change your body. Eat and make your body. You've got to eat from the right tree. So that's what it's all about so we look at now there was a little period of time between the holy place and entering in the veil now as we said before the prophet was the veil now think of that well I want to go through a veil of skin it was a veil of skins the prophet was the veil to get to the pillar of fire or the holiest of all Moses was the veil Between the people and God, they chose it that way. They made a choice. All right, that choice we'll look at in a few minutes is what moved them from the covenant of blessing to the covenant of law that basically they died under. Okay. So we looked in our last lesson, last week, or the last few weeks, at the harvest seasons, which represents the three feasts of the seventh month. And those three feasts, if we can put them up there, David. Those three last feasts that we're looking at, the blowing of the trumpets, the day of atonement, and tabernacles, they represent the seventh trumpet being fulfilled and the seventh seal being fulfilled to the Gentiles. Those three feasts in its symbolism, what it represented, what they acted out for hundreds of years, the Jews, and they still acted out on the exact days and the exact time now, for 2,000 years, they rehearsed these feasts every year but they still do not understand what they're acting out they absolutely act out the role but don't understand what they're acting out why how can they act it out to the exact day and hour and not understand it because their minds are veiled to the reality of the symbol They don't understand what the symbolism represents. They only look at it in the natural. They're still looking for their Messiah to come, or they're looking for the first four feasts to come to bring them to atonement for immortality. Let me understand what I'm saying now. In other words, they're looking for the completion of the seven feasts which will bring you immortality, but they made the mistake that they didn't recognize Jesus fulfilling the first four. They didn't accept Him. By not accepting the Passover and the resurrection, they couldn't come to the day of Pentecost. That's the reason they couldn't accept uh, Paul's message of grace. The early disciples that was there in the day of Pentecost did not accept Paul's revelation of grace. Now that's hard to understand, isn't it? Well, you mean they were sitting right there with them and they still didn't get it? They didn't get it. Why? Because you and I were not in yet. Okay? It's the only reason they didn't get it. So we found in James 2, 5, 7. We looked at that last week. We'll pick it back up. So we find that there is appointed times and appointed seasons. And now we understand that we must recognize that there is a time where the new name will be revealed to bring us into the last three feasts of Son of Man. You said. are you saying the Son of Man is a new name? Well, it's a name which was manifested, that we're living under, that most people would not grasp. Ninety percent of the message people, when it come out, and I understand why, I understand the whole process, they rejected the revelation of the Son of Man, because they did not believe that God had come down here Himself to appear to us in the form of a man, to reveal himself to us, to let us know that we are actually sons and daughters of God, or bring the seed to its proper standing as perfect. Remember now, you're not going into perfection or tabernacles without being perfect. Now the struggle for everybody has been what? I can't be perfect, therefore I cannot go into the holiest of all. I'm I'm willing to sit in the holy place. I'm willing to feed on the old covenants. I'm feeding on the teaching. Jesus loves me. This I know. Water baptism. I go to church. That will not get you into the rapture. We'll get to it just in a few minutes where Paul picks that up. James 5, it says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming, which is actually that dreadful word that they all Kindly shrink of, the perusia, which means the literal presence, and the literal presence is the pillar of fire, Elohim himself, of the Lord. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the perusia, or the presence of the Lord. That Lord there is not Lord, the Lord said unto my Lord. It's the Lord that said unto my Lord. This is Psalms 110:1, 1, the Lord, Elohim, said unto my Lord. Which is Jesus. You sit now on my throne until I go down and make all enemies and put them under your feet. And he's following me now. So we see this role that the Father is acting out. So Jehovah Elohim God is the Lord Elohim that comes down to fulfill Revelation 10.1 to Revelation 10.7. Which is a prophet. He tells you the time at the presence of the Prusia of the Lord. Behold the husbandman, which is Jesus now, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and that is our glorified bodies, and hath long patience, seven church ages, waiting for it until he receives what? The early and latter rain, or he receives the book of Acts and the Omega in this hour. He receives both Elijah ministries, turning the hearts of the children to the, to the Lord, and at the end time, turn us back to the same thing. It's Alpha and Omega, and the Holy Spirit does both in the outpouring, early and latter. Are you talking about You're looking at Book of Joel. I understand there's a uh, former and latter rain, teaching rain and power what, here, but we're talking about Acts, and you're talking about at the end time. Alpha and Omega is the same rain. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and that day I'll pour out my spirit upon my sons and my daughters. I'll pour out a special portion or a hidden manna that will take them through the tabernacle to the wilderness until they come into the millennium. Which the prophet said, now we are resting under the Feast of Tabernacles, which has to be a revelation. Because we don't celebrate the feast as Gentiles, and it's natural. So we're resting under the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the type of the millennium which is the type of immortality, which is the rest of God, then the bride is laying in the presence of the Son and ripening. Amen. Ripening don't mean rotten either. It means ripen out until you are what you are, and you don't, you're, not, you're willing to confess, I am a grain of wheat. Amen. So we understand that the times and seasons were set as appointed times by God, whereby God required the people to come to Jerusalem to meet Him in His presence as a pillar of fire three times a year, and He called it the Feast of the Lord or the Holy Convocations of God. That's special times that God said, I'll meet the people, and He always done it through the process of the tabernacle. So Jesus was asked, now watch, now Jesus was asked, uh, in Matthew 24, 1 to 3, what would be the uh, sign of the end? And what more? And what would be what more? And he gave give you three answers. Brother Brown went through it in detail. And what will be the sign of your presence or your perusia? What will be the sign that you will be literally here to fulfill the last three feasts? Jesus answered him and said, I don't know. The angels don't know. Only the Father knows the season that I will fulfill the last three feasts to Israel. Now, Jesus didn't know it then. The book of Revelation reveals that it was revealed to him after he ascended in a glorified form that it was revealed to Him. But at this time, Jesus said, I do not know the time and the season or the day and the hour. That is in the Father's hands. In other words, Jesus fulfilled the early reign. He come and fulfilled the first four feasts. But He didn't have the authority to manifest the last three feasts, which would be in His second coming to Israel to finish up the plan of God. Are you following me so far? All right. So... This time and season, uh, which only the Father knows, so therefore that time and season would be hidden to us. That's the reason they call it a mystery. They say, well, the coming of the Lord is a mystery. Nobody knows that that day and hour is coming. Nobody knows that. That's a mystery. We don't know anything about it. But Brother Branham said we can come to the time that we may know the month or the season that he is coming in. The only way that you could do that is understand that God keeps the appointed times. He doesn't move off of it one minute. God has a clock. It is Israel. When Israel is where they're under the economy of God, where they're supposed to be, the clock will start ticking. It looks like when Israel is out of the will of God, the clock doesn't tick. Brother Branham explained it one time on the seventh seal. He said, look, God reaches out and takes time in his hand and it stands still until Israel is in their proper place. Israel has to be in a certain place under a certain condition before the clock starts ticking once again. Then you can click it down 1260 days at 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> It'll be over. But the wonderful thing is, at that time, we come back with him. I keep bringing it. We come back with him. The mystery is, how do we get up there while these last three feasts, which takes 1260 days, while they're being fulfilled to 144,000 Jews, how do we get up there without experiencing all seven feasts, which is perfection? It has to be under the seventh seal, which Brother Branham said is a mystery, which is not a mystery to us. We've been sitting under it and preaching it for almost 35 or 40 years now. Can we say amen to that? It's almost now like old school does. We've heard this so many times. Watch it. So the revelation coming to Israel now, or to us, the seventh seal will be as a latter rain to us which will be the harvest seasons, which they had a rain in planting, and they have a rain for the harvest. Right before the grain is harvested into the combine, there's another rain. So Brother Branham called it the third pull. He said, now there's another move of the Spirit to those that are resting in the holiest of all under the seventh seal that will quicken us to immortality, that will bring us through this... Lay in the presence of the sun and ripen. It will bring us to full maturity, full grain, that you understand the sevenfold revelation of Jesus Christ and how it has been fulfilled, and you are a believer. And if you take God's word for it, you stand perfect before God. You're the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. Now, that will make a dead Baptist come to life. If I don't bring you to life, you're more than a dead Baptist. You must be a seared uh, something else somewhere along the line. Brother Baptist said, that will make a Baptist shout. So it, <laughs> what should it do for us? Watch that. So in this latter rain, we are given based the the former and latter rain, which brings us to the Feast of Pentecost, whereby we are restored, Acts 238. Water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember he said we could not go into the holiest of all. Without being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he said straight is the gate. Let's put the water baptism. Is basically the veil or the gate that lets you enter into. The sevenfold revelation of Jesus Christ. You're not going to get it without that. Okay. Then all you have to do in this hour, is accept that Jesus was the atonement for sin. That places you in the tabernacles. All right, so watch that. So the last three stages of the seventh month that we're looking at was not made known, and still is not known, or fulfilled as yet. Waiting now waits for the day of the Lord which we are in. We preached that months ago. We're now in the day of the Lord. We are under the sixth seal, which is the beginning of the tribulation period. The sixth seal actually opened by the Alaskan earthquake, which was that, 1964, I believe. That was the opening of the sixth seal, which now begins to run parallel with the seventh seal, bringing us into the collusion of basically the two prophets and the rapture. The squeeze is only the sixth seal beginning to bring the pressure on us to basically squeeze us into reality, to squeeze Israel into the homeland, to prepare the conditions of politics for two prophets to walk out and finish up God's plan. You say, my Lord, Brother Gregory, that's, that don't leave much of a future. We don't have a future, except a thousand years <laughs> 1,000 years of picking grapes that don't spoil. Hallelujah. Amen. So here we're looking at the day of the Lord, which lays in God the Father. Only He knows. But remember, He's down here with us. You, You mean I can ask the Father? Jesus said, now in that day when you realize that God Himself is here, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. <laughs> oh, glory to God. <laughs> so it lays in the Father, where neither the angels, the angel that come to Brother Branham told him secrets, but he said, Now don't say this and whatever more. They only nor the angels knew the days are the, the day or the hour. Brother Branham put it down to the day or the hour of the days of his flesh. What? They did not know the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Tabernacles. There is the hidden manna or the hidden revelation that the Gentiles must be a part of and the Jews will receive. The last three feasts there in a spiritual reality will put you in the millennium. The last three feasts by two prophets fulfilling the same thing to the Jews will put them in the millennium. It will put you there in an immortal body. So these are kept in the Father's hands, waiting for the time in the season, or what Brother and Madam calls spiritual food in due season. The spiritual food in due season was the revelation of the trumpets, the atonement, and tabernacles that the prophet brought us under the seventh seal, and he preached it in future home. Recognize your day in his message, feast of trumpets, and those sermons right there. Invisible Union, those sermons, the last year and a half, he was here, he preached all of these sermons revealing the mysteries uh, or the true doctrine that would place us spiritually before God as perfect. Amen. Each mystery took out a portion of the believers. Marriage and divorce, which was a secret under the seventh seal, took out a group. The Son of Man, Revelation, took out a group. The appearing, the Perusia Doctrine, or what we call the Perusia of the Presence, took out a big group. The Godhead took out another group. All these mysteries, which is manna that will change your body, was rejected. Now, we said last week, and I went back to the notes to show you, that God the Father, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, COMES DOWN AS A GENERAL OR AS WHAT WE CALL A JUDGE THE LORD SHALL DESCEND WITH A SHOUT THAT IS A MILITARY COMMAND TO GET EVERYBODY IN PROPER ORDER OR IT IS A STRATEGY USED BY GOD TO SEPARATE THE chaff FROM THE SEED I WAS READING ONE ARTICLE THIS DOCTOR SAID HE SAID NOW THE MESSAGE PEOPLE ARE CONFUSED Because they believe that the cloud, and there's a big argument over the cloud, and the churches are still splitting over it. That they believe that the cloud was the coming of the Lord, fulfilling Revelation 10, 1 to 7. Well, that sounds like something that we might believe. He said, well, we know that that cloud did not fulfill Revelation 10, 1 to 7. Because the one that comes down in Revelation 10, 1 to 4, he said, if you'll notice, He put one foot on land and one foot on sea. Uh, He had in his little hand an open book. He described it to the letter. And it was a whole body. The cloud, he said, if you look at that, is only a head. So the cloud couldn't be Revelation 10, 1, which was a whole body. The cloud represented only a head. I said, who in the world would think like that, you know? But that's pretty intellectual if you get to think about it. Yeah, that could be true. Yeah, that could be true. But the cloud represented the coming of the Son of Man, which is Revelation 10, 7, a a prophet or the pillar of fire coming to a a prophet, revealing the hidden manna, which is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever. In other words, like Brother Brown said, you got to have something in here to be able to almost read between the lines and get the picture and you can't put this scripture with this scripture and this quote with this quote and come out with the right conclusion. You said, how come? Because it takes a revelation. And only the Holy Spirit can bring out this point, this point and form a picture in your mind and heart where you can see the plan of Almighty God. So we see God has a strategy and that strategy was He would come down in the midst of the Pentecostal age and the Holy Place, He would come down and, as the Judge, the Whig one or the Seven Angels, form the head, which is Revelation chapter one. There, when they seen the eyes and where all all those characteristics, only about the head, revealing now the role that God is playing. He comes down as the Judge to put the Church on trial. Because he's got to separate the chaff from the seed. We understand now when the shuck pulls away, the seed will lay in the presence of the Son and declare, When you see me, you see the Father. In other words, that separation causes a group to understand that they are actually genes of Almighty God. So there's a revelation brought by the judge. You've got to come back to the perusia, the presence of God. That opens our understanding of what's going on. Knowing now that we have actually been separated. If you can't see that in the message, you had not been around very long. Young people, you may not know what I'm talking about. But we used to all get together. Now every church is separated in its own little group, in its own little revelation, its own understanding. And everybody is so afraid that somebody's going to deceive them or bring something new that they won't sell a fellowship or nothing else. Everybody's afraid of their own shadow. But remember, if you are the bride of Jesus Christ, nothing can deceive you. Nothing can take you out. Nothing will turn you away. Nothing can take you out of the Father's hand. Come on now. You are sealed in, elected before the foundation of the world. Why? Because you are under a covenant... That's now revealed to you that was given to Abraham by Melchizedek. And then Moses took that same covenant to the children of Israel and they turned it down. That same covenant has been brought to us. From service this time to the message. There's a third pull message in there that brings us to the understanding of the original covenant of Abraham. That we are now under this unconditional covenant of grace, we believe and accept the sovereignty and election of Almighty God. And he said, we never done it in the first place. Amen. How many can receive that this morning? Amen. How many can believe it? Amen. How many will confess to the Father that you know who you are as the Son? Amen. Amen. Now, Brother Bram says that in trying to do God a service, I'm running out of time, so I'll move on. Pentecost will only shelter the message, giving it an open door until it gets scattered. And then the shuck will pull away, and the wheat will lay in the presence of the sun. See, to ripen. Now, how can that be if he's not here? Lay in the presence of what sun? Son of God? Son of man, son of David, lay in the presence of the son of man, which is a revelation. Brother Branham was asked the question, Brother Branham, are you the son of man, or is the pillar of fire the son of man? I always kind of puzzled at his answer for years. He said, no, I'm not the son of man. The pillar of fire is not the son of man. <laughs> He said, I am a son of a man, here revealing the son of man by the presence of the pillar of fire himself. So only the Father can unveil to us the son of man, or Jesus, to us to let us see that we are absolutely the bride or united back to the headstone. We are united with the head. When the headstone come down, and the preacher said, well, the headstone not, the headstone has come down. We are married to it. We are united to him. The pyramid is complete. The capstone has been put on the body. You say, well, Brother Greg, if that's the case, we are to be this and we are to be that and whatever. You are what you confess that you are. It comes down to that. Watch now. So we understand that the earth gets seven outpourings of the Holy Spirit or the Word. One for every age, and at the end time, we get a ripening rain, or a rain that is ripening out the seed. Lay in the presence of the sun. We're under the ripening rain, which is what? A teaching rain and a harvest rain at the seven times. We're in the presence of God, ripening out, or bringing forth what? The understanding of the atonement in our hearts and minds to immortality. Amen. I can't stress it enough, and I started to go a different direction this morning, but if we look at all these types, there's only one thing. I put the quotes at the end of the sermon. We can write, sit here and talk for three hours. There's only one thing that Brother Branham said the whole church world, the Jews and everybody else would not accept, and that is Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. The Jews would not accept Him. Why? Why wouldn't the Jews accept it? They didn't believe in the sacrifice of a human they didn't believe in the human sacrifice. They believed in animal sacrifice, but they didn't believe in the human. So here they're having to believe and was asked to believe in, in the human sacrifice of Jesus as the atonement. Verse in. they said, no, they can't do that. And they still haven't done it. But he was. The prophet said that Paul brought the revelation of Jesus Christ which Paul's gospel was the blowing of the trumpets to bring them to the day of atonement, which is the book of Romans. You're saved by grace through faith alone. And he said the early church couldn't get it. We got in your lesson where they went to Hebrews 6, let us go into perfection, not land again. The foundation of dead works. Baptism, laying on our hands, and knowing that's what more and more. In other words, everything in the holiest of all, everything under the baptism of the Holy Ghost won't get it. Only the revelation of the atonement. We'll finish it up. There's where we're at. The hidden manna, I've got all kinds of notes, I care if y'all want to come, we'll close this morning and run out of time. Look at the notes, study the drawings, watch the types, because I believe that we are now beginning to utter, and I preached it years ago but it was not received, we stand perfect before Almighty God. I showed you in the notes how we got there through the covenants. Paul said, if his gospel will be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. If the gospel is hid, it's hid to those that are lost. If it's hid, it's hidden manner." Paul said, my revelation, if the gospel is hid, it's hidden to those that are lost. What was Paul's gospel? The day of atonement. forgiveness of sins. Reconciliation. He was the minister of it. They didn't receive it. Brother Branham said, and I'll give you the quotes in here in the church age book. He said the Jews didn't receive it. The church ages didn't receive it. And he said only a group at the end time under Malachi 4 will come to the revelation that it's Jesus plus nothing. Matter of fact, I'll read just a little part up for you to make it. The, oh, I preached this over at Brother Walt's uh, convention way back in somewhere in the mid-80s. There was 14 preachers there, and after I preached it, they spent all night in a motel room arguing, fussing, fighting over that sermon. Vendiel and all them. But the Jews, Brother Walt said, but the Jews back in the time of Jesus did not want to accept that sacrifice. Now, we may not understand it, but there's something in us that does not want to accept that sacrifice completely. One thing it will do, it will take every effort that you'll do and your thinking and your works completely out of the picture. Everybody wants to think, well, I went and done this and I'm doing this and I didn't that and I quit this and I'm doing that. That's all fine. That's all all right. But that has not one thing to do with your election. It may be an expression of the seed maturing out and bringing forth the character and what are more revealing who you are. But it had nothing to do with you being seed. The Jews would not accept that sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats made nothing perfect. It was once God's ordained method, which the Feast of Pentecost was once God's ordained method for 2,000 years. It is not anymore. Brother Branham said, come out over my people. Pentecostal age is over. Thus saith the Lord. If the Pentecostal age is over, he's asking us, like Paul, to forsake the principles that we keep going over. Jesus loved me, John 3, 16, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, stories, all those sort We keep going over and over the first principles, but won't understand that the seals are open, and God himself has come down here. The kingdom is here among us to change our bodies. We will not accept the revelation of the perusia of Christ. He said, watch, it was once God's ordained method, but now Christ having appeared in the flesh, and by the setting of his own blood has put away sin, and by that offering of himself has made us perfect. Now, how many will receive that this morning? That should fill our hearts with joy. Because under the tabernacles, if you get a Jew under the tabernacles, he's having a rock and roll time, brother. He's like nine ball games and three soccer games. He's having a good time. He's got barbecue. He's got bells whistling. He's got dancing going. He's got music going. There's nothing wrong. God is protecting his home, protecting his job. Everything else is a standstill. And he's rejoicing that his sins was gone for one more year. Our sins are not gone for one year. Our sins are gone once and for all. Let's stand this morning, would you? I'm sorry that I chopped that lesson up too much. He said the Jews would not take it. But what about the Philadelphian age and all the other ages? He said through Luther, through Wesley, through Rome, through Orthodox, None of their fine works will save you. They won't make you perfect. It is Christ or perish. And it's Christ. It is not even Christ and works. It is Christ alone. This age began the years of Arminianism that does not believe in Christ as the reality. It does not sing of nothing but the blood. It sings of nothing but the blood in my conduct. I believe in good conduct. If you're saved, you will do rightly. We've already gone over that. But let me tell you now, salvation is not Jesus plus. I've read this over and over for about 30 years. It is Jesus alone. Salvation is of the Lord from start to finish. It is all God. Then he told you, where are you standing this morning? You are standing completely justified. Praise be to God. Now, God let us grasp at this more. Let me understand it. I'm completely standing before this pillar of fire justified. That's not my beginning. Justified, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and come to the Justified means the end product. It means you have come to the end of God. You are now declared righteous. You have come through the trial. The judge is here. You have come through the trial and placed over here as not guilty. You stand now justified or declared righteous. You say, well, you don't know what kind of bum I am. I don't care what kind of bum you are. God through the blood said, I stand here righteous as though I never done it. And I'm not going to change his mind by declaring that I'm not. In other words, you may not get to keep the watch that I stole. Thank you, Jesus. How many knows that basically you're not, you got a lot of problems that you're not too good, that you're not happy of, every one of us in here. But how many knows that God stands here and has declared you are absolutely perfect in the sight of Almighty God? And He said, as though you never done it at the beginning, this is my message to the church. You say, well, I'm in the message. Are you? Are you justified before God? Do you see yourself perfect? Clothed in righteousness? Which is a product of the hidden manna that you're feeding on day by day. Continual feeding will change your body. And we'll pick up what that hidden man is next week of the Lord Heaven. But this is the message. You never done it. In the holiest of all, the presence of God, we stand under the blood. Under the perusia of Christ, the secret coming to a bride. The judge coming and put us on trial. You say, well, I thought I was waiting a thousand years down the road to a white throne. You're not going through the white throne a thousand years down the road. You've already went through your white throne judgment right here under a prophet. We've been in front of the beam of Christ. What do you think's been going on for all these years, of this separation and what more in the church is going to pot and America is going to pot and everything going to pot? The sixth seal, America turned it down. We're under the judgments of God, and it'll get worse and worse until He wipes us off of the map. The only thing this November will tell us if we got a little time left or not. Because I, I mean, it could happen under Trump's or conservative rule, but it looks like it'll happen under the other because I can't see us going that crazy under. But those 200,000 demons in the book of Revelation. They have been released. The bottomless pit was opened by Brother Bannon. When he opened the seals, he opened that pit and turned all these demons loose. Don't you understand that these viruses are no more than anointings or demons of of sicknesses? They're spirits. You say, well, I I won't get one. (laughs) Do you ever have a bad thought? How many here never has a bad thought? Never critical. Your husband don't ever upset you and your wife don't ever have, everybody's rosy. Oh, we're just perfect. How many perfect ones like that we got in here? Oh, come on. (laughs) Then who's talking to you? Where do these things come from? They're not just floating around in the air. They're demonic powers of darkness here being manifested in flesh. You call politics that we don't want nothing of, but they're God fulfilling His word. They're here to destroy the bride of Christ. And Brother Bam said, now when they come, look how much you preachers ought to preach divine healing then. Amen. Are you saying if we're bride, we won't get sick? No. I'm saying we don't have to. There's a revelation in there, and there's a confession in there that will keep us under the blessings of Abraham. Amen. There's a lot of blessings of God that we don't exercise and use for ourselves, But it's, it's still there anyhow. Amen. So what are we going to say, Brittany? Huh? I've got the power of life in me because we fed a little bit on the Word of God this morning. You say, well, that wasn't a T-bone steak. I don't care if it was mashed potatoes. It's still a part of the Word of God. It's a little bit that keeps me sustained. To next Sunday. Manna fell fresh every day. They took a portion of it. And put it in the holiest of all. That never spoiled. But it was the same manna. That they eat out here every day. But if they didn't gather it. It would spoil. So you can't take the manna. Of one church age. Over into the another age. I can't feed you Luther's manna. It's got worms in it. I can't feed you Wesley's manna. It's got worms in it. I can't even feed you Pentecostal manna because it's got worms in it. I can only preach the manna that's in the holiest of all that will never spoil. I've got the power in the name of Jesus. Let's give Canada a wave this morning, would you? Make them welcome into a service. we in the name of the Lord, we've got the power in the name of Jesus. And made. We cannot be defeated. Oh, we've got the power. Oh, let's sing it out. We've got the, I mean, we has got the power this morning. Praise God. I've got the power to open my mouth. I've got the power to raise my hands. I've got the power to rejoice. I've got the power to brag on God. I got the power to speak the word. Oh, hallelujah. Be defeated. The In the name of the Lord. Oh, we've got the power. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. Though Satan rages, we cannot be defeated. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. We'll pick up next week. There's a lot of things in there. This was the hard part, going back to the covenants, the spoken word and the written word, showing how God brought it down, the hidden gospel of Paul, and on and on. So, read the notes. They kind of bring it out clear, Then I can preach it in 30 or 40 minutes. But there's a hidden manna that we're feeding on. We can call it many things. Brother Ben called it the body word of the Son of Man. He called it the open book. He called it Melchizedek here among us, the Word. He called it the pillar of fire. He called it Elohim. He called it many appellations of God. And every name and every part shows a part or what God is doing for us now. He revealed the new name, which I preached the new name in Tucson uh, meeting one time. And basically the Spanish people went crazy for two hours, but... Everybody thought the name was so-and-so. It is not a name like Bill, Joe, and Sue more? It's a revelation of basically the Word that is God's manifesting in your hour. You say, what is the message, Brother Gregory? The message is the portion of Scripture that God is fulfilling in the day that you're living. We said, that don't fit what Brother Bram said. He said, uh, my message, he had a message. His message was the restoring of the mysteries, which is the true doctrine made clear to us that we can feed on that revelation that is hidden manna to the rest of the world. Spoken word in due season. Invisible union. This recognize your day in this message, the unrecognized presence of God. You can take all the sermon titles, and He step by step brought you right down to where you're now resting on the Feast of Tabernacles. You're standing perfectly before Almighty God. You have passed the trial. You're the virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. Rest on that. Wait now until He brings all the other things in line. And then when he blows the trumpet, you will go up. Two prophets will come down. We'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb while the sixth seal is being fulfilled here in the tribulation for 1,260 days. And then we will come according to Revelation 19 on white horses. And I like a white horse. That's the reason why when I was younger, I bought some horses and learned how to ride. I bought some horses and I was scared of a horse. So I thought, well, if I'm going to come back on a white horse, I better learn how to ride. So I bought some white horses, and Brother Walt Higgins over there said, Brother Gregory, that's a sin. I said, what's a sin? Shove them manure out of a barn? No, riding a horse out in public. I said, oh, okay, riding a horse out in public is a sin. I said, what do you do, in past?" Well, I put on my shorts, and I get out of my boat, and I lay in the sun and fish. I said, that's not a sin. I said, at least I got men's clothes on when I ride a horse anyway. So I found out that sin was whatever I don't like to do. <laughs> Amen. So then I understood that the white horse was symbolic of something else, so I sold the horses. I got tired of being thrown, and eating dust, and whatever more. I think your, your dad got one horse. Yeah. I like to tell old tales. You know, I went and bought this horse. He was so gentle. Man, he's a beautiful horse. He was so gentle. They rode around the barn. They threw the kid up on him. He just rode, he didn't get in no trouble. He was just as peaceful as he could be. We brought him home from Poplar Bluff. Danny and him just lived right down the road, so he come up the next day, and said, Let's saddle up this horse and, and ride him. I said, okay. We saddled that horse up. He stood there just as calm as a bell. Well, I climbed on him and boy, I had never my foot just hit the stirrup and he boom, boom, boom. Hey, he he come alive. He threw me out in the dust, my glasses went up this way and my hat went somewhere else and i just eat dust and danny said did it hurt (laughs) i said yeah it hurt he said oh you didn't do it right i can ride him yeah he got on the saddle (laughs) but it was fun watching him go up and down until he threw him about halfway over the fence i said did it hurt So we took him back to Poplar Bluff and sold him to somebody else. (laughs) That was the end of our horse days. Amen. But we're going to come back riding on a horse. Amen. Power. So I can tell you that we can know the very hour and the time that Jesus in the flesh will come back to earth. Revelation 19. It will be 1260 days on the day of tabernacles, when the battle of Armageddon starts, that we will come back and intervene for Israel, 144,000, and wipe the earth out, and we'll walk out on the ashes of the wicked, and set up the millennium, and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles for 1,000 years. Hallelujah. Glory to God there's god's plan and we're a part of it amen Amen. so god bless you we kept you over time